Well, we started last week in this five-week campaign called For Our City, and uh, our church is in Smithsburg, so we're kind of focusing on Smithsburg, but we all have communities. I live in a different community. You may live in a different community. And the title of today's teaching is Be a Good Neighbor. So consequently, we are all a part of a community. A city is made up of people, buildings, but what makes up a city is people. So I want to start with this statement or question. We are part of the problem. We live in these communities. We are part, whether we uh, want to claim it or not, um, and we all have our, our, our hang-ups, and so our problems are part of the city's problems. And so the question is then, are we part of the solution? Are we just part of the problem or are we part of the solution? Now, in our busyness, it's easy for us to miss the business of God. And we believe this is a business of God. Be pouring into our communities. Be a part of our communities. Um, <clears throat> is the answer to this question or this problem being religious? All right, coming here on Sunday morning, this is great. We enjoy this. Coming here, maybe you have a great quiet time with God every day. But is that the answer? <laughs> uh, you may have been doing that and our cities are still struggling. So there's something more that we as individuals, we as church, need to be doing. And it's easy to assume somebody else will do it, especially the government, right? The government, all these government pro- programs will take care of all these problems. Well, the government's been pouring, in my lifetime, say the last 50 years, they've been pouring trillions of dollars at our city's problem. Do the city still have problems? Same old problems. In fact, some of them may be even worse. So the government isn't necessarily the answer. Uh, we can hope other people are going to do it, uh, more civically-minded people. <laughs> but uh, we're going to see that I believe that what God tells us is if anybody is civically-minded, it should be you and us as Jesus followers. Um, I think his name was Edwin Burke said this, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men or good people to do what? To do nothing. That's right. So, you want to complain about the problems? Some of it's evil, obviously. Um, Have you done anything about it? So that's what we want to look at this morning. So, let me ask you this question. What is the most important thing a Jesus follower can do to make any difference? All right, there's lots of things we could do. We could throw money at it too. Uh, What is the most important thing, though, uh, that a Jesus follower can do to make any difference? The main thing is to make, make the main thing the main thing, right? So what is the main thing? I mean, there's so many things. So one day, Jesus was talking to this, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. These were two religious groups in his day, religious leaders, and they had different theology. Sadducees were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in a resurrection. They didn't believe in an afterlife. The Pharisees did, so they had this argument. So they asked Jesus this question about this woman's had all these husbands, they've all died. When she goes to be in heaven, who will be her, be her husband? And Jesus said, well, you don't understand. There's not going to be marriage in heaven. So who won, the Sadducees or the Pharisees? Well, the Pharisees won, right? Because Jesus talked about an afterlife. So the Pharisees should have been happy. They won this theological argument. But they weren't really happy. Uh, they wanted to... Uh, uh, Jesus was getting popular, popular. They didn't want him to be popular. So they're trying to catch Jesus, uh, get the people to turn against him. And so 
one of the Pharisees asked Jesus this question. He said, okay, we've got all these laws. We've got over 600 laws. They can't all be equal. I was thinking about our laws. You know, we have don't murder law, and then we have don't break the speed limit law. They're not equally important, I don't think. And so he asked Jesus, okay, what's the most important one? You know, of these 600 plus, what's the most important one? Now, Jesus didn't always answer questions. <laughs> We're going to see it in the next story. But he did answer this question, which is pretty interesting. And he answered it by uh, quoting from his Bible, the old, we call the Old Testament. That was his Bible. And these are two different uh, sections of the Old Testament, part of what the first five books, which they call <coughs> uh, the Pentateuch, really important, maybe the most important part of the Old Testament to a Jew. And so he's quoting uh, two places from there. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Again, he's, he's just quoting scripture. This is the first and greatest commandment. Even though Jesus answered the question, he was going to answer it by the limitation of the question. He was going to answer it however he saw fit. And so he says, but that's not all. I know you asked for one, but I can't give you one. Can I give you two? So we get 600 and something down to two. It's pretty good, right? So he said, and the second is equally important. All right, I'm listening secondly, but it's not more, less important than the first one. They're equally important which most of us would think they're not, but Jesus said they were. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So he said you can just whittle it all down. And I got to thinking about this. If I love my wife, am I going to kill her? I don't think so. Am I going to lie to her? No. Am I going to cheat on her? No. I, I just think it. And the, and the neat thing is Jesus, we think of law as being negative, right? Don't do this, don't do this. Most people say, I don't go to church because you can't do this, 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 and this, right? Well, Jesus didn't make, any, didn't make a negative statement, did he? He said, it's loving God and loving your neighbor. Positive things you and I need to do, that's what's most important. So let me put it this way on the screen. Jesus explained that the most important law is love. Now, we don't only think of law as being... Love being a law, do we? But he was asked, what's the most important law? And he, he gave, love God and love your neighbor. That means these are <laughs> commands. These are laws. These are rules. These are things that you and I must do. <clears throat> so what was the answer? Well, the answer would be to learn to love, right? And Obviously, part of learning to love is actually loving or doing it. <clears throat> it's easy for us to say we love somebody and not do anything about it, right? But he said, no. <clears throat> loving God, loving other people means <clears throat> getting involved in that relationship. <clears throat> Mother Teresa, who was, came from a wealthy family in Italy, and she went to the slums of Calcutta, India, and served the people there for many, many years. She won a Nobel Prize even. And she said this, <clears throat> people are hungry not only for bread, and she dealt with hungry people, but hungry for what? Love. We need connection. We need to love and be loved. Naked not only for clothing, but naked for human dignity and respect. And she didn't see a lot of that in the, in the slums of, of Calcutta. Homeless not only for want of a room of bricks, but homeless because of rejection. Now, 
all of us tend to look for loopholes in our religion, our religiosity, our, our relationship with God. We look for loopholes. We, we might think or say we're all in, but we all have these lines we draw, right? Artificial lines or limitations. Well, I'll do this, but I'm not going to do that, <laughs> um, unfortunately. And so we look for loopholes. So we can feel good about ourselves by not doing this or not doing that. In fact, I watched, watched, I started reading a book this week. Not too often you get a free book sent to you. I signed up, got this free book. Came on Wednesday morning, so I started reading it. By David Platt, used to be president of the, our International Mission Board. He's now pastor in McLean Bible Church. And then he did this simulcast on Wednesday night. And the name of the book and the simulcast is Something Needs to Change. And he had just spent a week in the Himalayas, going from town to town and village to village, and looking at all the devastation, hunger, sex trafficking, spiritual blindness and darkness, and he was just, his spirit was crushed, he was crying out to God, you know, you're a God of love, how can all this happen? And his conclusion is, something needs to change. What needs to change? We need to change. I know the problems are so big, we think, well, what difference can I make? So another time, Jesus is having this discussion with this uh, expert in religious law, and he comes to Jesus, and he asks him a question. Um, this is in Luke. Uh, stood up to test Jesus. Now, he doesn't really want the answer to the question, or he wants a loophole, uh, He's testing Jesus, and his question is this. What should I do in turn to inherit eternal life? Now, Jesus doesn't answer his question. Again, interesting, right? What does he say? Uh, what does the law of Moses say, their Bible? Or how do you read it? How do you understand it? What is your answer? <laughs> so it's like you ask me a question, I'll say, well, what's your opinion? And so that's what Jesus is doing with, with this guy. And you know how he responds? Either he heard this from Jesus or put it together himself or whatever. I think he must have heard it from Jesus. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. We just talked about that, right? He said, if I do this, I should have eternal life. And so what's Jesus' response to his, his answer? Good answer, bad answer, or whatever. He says, right. You understand. You got it. He said, do this and you will live. Of course, again, the man wasn't interested in doing that. He was interested in catching Jesus, testing Jesus. And the Bible puts it this way. I love this word. The man wanted to what? Justify his actions. Don't we love to do that? We justify, we come up with reasons. They're really most of the time excuses, right? Why we do what we do or don't do what we should, uh, should be doing. Well, you know, I couldn't do it because of this or that or whatever. We, we're good at that. Finding loopholes, making excuses, justifying our actions. So he's saying, okay, love God, understand that, love my neighbor. So, okay, who is this neighbor? I'm going to limit it, you know, maybe to the people like me. That's what we usually think of, right? People like me. So, who is my neighbor? All right. <laughs> um, I don't know how many of you have seen this show, but um, TV show. Been around over 50 years. Uh, it's called Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Actually, it was 50 years old on public TV last year. Anyway, the, uh, there's a movie coming out about Mr. Rogers. Anyway, at one point, Josh and Mike are our two oldest kids. That's the only TV show we let them watch. 
So if you want to wonder why they turned out like they did, <laughs> it's because they grew up on Mr. Rogers. But uh, so we love Mr. Rogers and what he had to teach. And so we're going to show you the, the blurb about the movie. It's coming out in Thanksgiving. Hello, neighbor. Hey, I'm looking for Fred Rogers. In here. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Please, won't you be my neighbor? Hello, neighbor. Mr. Rogers, I'm here to interview you. It is so nice to meet you. You okay? I'm profiling Mr. Rogers. Lloyd, please don't ruin my childhood. This piece will be for an issue about heroes. Do you consider yourself a hero? We are trying to give the world positive ways of dealing with their feelings. Yeah? Like what? things you can do you can play all the lowest keys on a piano at the same time you love broken people like me sometimes we have to ask for help and that's okay I think the best thing we can do is to let people know boom, that each one of them is precious. Hey, Mr. Rogers. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Please, won't you be my neighbor? That was wonderful. It only takes one person to inspire kindness. One person. <clears throat> so to Mr. Rogers, who is a neighbor, he invited everyone, please, won't you be my neighbor? Oh, we lost our screen. Well, hopefully you got your hard copy. And I can read off it. Oh, it's back, good. <laughs> there's a principle of life that goes like this. What fills is what spills. All right, I have this container up here. Most of you probably don't know what's in here. But if I was to hit this or knock this over, what would come out? Well, some of you know, you're assuming what's in here. Probably most of you don't know. But yes, there is water in here. But what would come out was what's in here. You know, Gatorade wouldn't come out, soda wouldn't come out, milk wouldn't come out, juice wouldn't come out. Water can only come out because that's what's in here, right? That's a simple enough principle. Well, same thing with your life and my life. Your heart and my heart. And it hurts me to say, sometimes ugliness comes out of me. Well, why does ugliness come out of me? Because there's ugliness inside of me, right? There's ugliness in my heart. What should come out of me is what? Love, 
because love should be in my heart as a Jesus follower. And the Bible makes it clear that God first loved us. The only reason I have love in my heart is because God first loved me. And as a response to that love, I have love. My heart is filled with love. One, uh, I believe it's the message paraphrase. I love this. Uh, it says about Jesus coming to earth, that he moved into the neighborhood. It actually uses that word. He moved into the neighborhood. He rubbed shoulders with us. He actually came here to earth. And so, what should motivate us to love our neighbor? So, Jesus is going to answer this question about who's your neighbor? And I'm sure this Jewish man was thinking, oh, people like me, other Jews. And so, again, this is a story. This doesn't actually happen. And it's just such wisdom in here that Jesus uses to teach this man and us a powerful lesson. <clears throat> so most of you know this story. Pretend you never heard it before. Pretend you're this young man, or this man, I don't know if he's young or not, that uh, was hearing it from Jesus. So here's Jesus' reply. A Jewish man was traveling, just like you, Jewish man, traveling down to Jer- from Jerusalem to Jericho and was attacked by bandits. It's about a 17-mile trip. Uh, drops about 3,000 feet. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, left him half dead beside the road. Whatever that means. I don't know if he's conscious, unconscious or not. They described him as half dead. And most of you know, a few months ago, we were actually there. So here's a picture we took of the area of Jericho. And it probably didn't have this much greenery back in Jesus' day or this much houses either. Um, it's basically rocky desert. That's, that's what we're talking about. This is what the terrain is. So Jesus is going on with the story. Okay, this man has been beaten up and left by the side of the road, Jewish man. By chance, a priest came along. So he's like the most religious person you could think of, right? Priest came along. When he saw the man lying there, he crossed the other side of the road and passed him by. It's almost funny if it wasn't sad. So I see the guy over there and I'm going, make sure I don't get near him. The next guy that comes along, is a temple assistant, so he's just kind of a step below a priest, really religious guy also. He walked over and takes a look, and then he passes by on the other side. Now, the traditional explanation of this is, well, they would be uh, <clears throat> spiritually unclean if they touched a dead body. So maybe he was unconscious, they thought he was dead. Uh, but again, rationalization, excuses, reasons why we don't do what we should do. So, to be a good neighbor, first we have to notice the need. And I don't know how aware you are of the needs in your neighborhood. Um, I probably was not aware as I should be uh, of the needs. And I understand. We don't want to know. They're overwhelming. They're going to make me unhappy. Uh, <clears throat> when David Platt came back, he was just, he's just his heart is crushed by the, the, the tremendous needs he saw. And so we want to have our happy little lives, so we just kind of, Try and ignore it, right? So we've got to notice the need. Talked about last week. There's a reason you and I are still here, if you're a Jesus follower, that God didn't take you to heaven. There's a reason. There's something for you and I to do. Secondly, we need to pause and get to know them. It's so easy to be prejudiced against people we don't know. Just, you know, assume things about them. Well, you know, they, they should know better or they could do differently or, or whatever. 
So just spend some time getting to know them, to listen to them. We had the privilege of having Mr. Wally over a couple hours this week, fed him a hot meal. And uh, when Mr. Wally comes, what do we spend most of our time doing? Listening. We listen. Uh, he's a lonely man, and uh, we, we listen to him. So, let's get back to our story. Two very religious guys didn't help. <laughs> uh, obviously a needy person, right? Then a despised Samaritan. We talked about the Jews hating Samaritans last week. And it was vice versa. The Samaritans hated the Jews. He came along, and when he saw the man, totally different reaction. And he, to this Jewish man he's talking to, the most least likely person to help would be a Samaritan, right? He felt compassion. Compassion spilled out of him. He couldn't not help, right? He felt compassion for him. Story goes on. He goes over to him, soothing his wounds, olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, put him in his own car, took him to an inn where he took care of him. He didn't just dump him off at the ER, which should have been helpful at least. He wasn't going to get rid of this guy as soon as possible. And that's kind of our tendency. Well, I'll help, but you know, I don't want to help too much or too long, <laughs> uh, mess up my, my comfortable life. He took care of him. Personally, took care of him. Somebody he despised. Somebody he hated. A Jew. Somebody that hated him. And he did it until the next day, all night, evidently. The next day, he hands the innkeeper two silver coins. Now, what, what I studied was this was enough to, to pay for that man staying three weeks. Three weeks. So he stayed with him, he bandaged him, he helped, and then he provided for his care for three more weeks. Again, somebody he despised and somebody despised him. So the obviously third conclusion is what? To be a good neighbor, you've got to get involved. You've got to get your hands dirty. You've got to be involved in the mess. Again, we don't like messes. I don't like messes either. They uh, interviewed a couple of uh, local folks talking about marginalization, how we marginalize people, you know, separate them from ourselves. Uh, let's watch the video. I'm here with Officer Kiefer and Mr. Art Hicks. Uh, gentlemen, thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of our community. We're talking today uh, about a very important topic, uh, this idea of uh, marginalization. Uh, you know, the idea that um, people or people groups can kind of be uh, looked at peripheral or less than. So can you tell us, how have you actually seen marginalization actually carried out in our community? Well, let me, let me start off by saying that we all marginalize other people whether you know that or not. Uh, it's called implicit bias. That's, we all do it. It's something that's 
been brought on by the way you've been raised, what you've seen in the media, what you've seen through your community. So if you're someone that's looking at someone from a race standpoint and you have been raised to have, maybe you've had a lot of racism in your family or in your community, it's hard for you to let that completely go. You're still going to carry that. Even if you don't believe that overtly, you're still going to carry racist kind of thoughts. I know I'm not a racist, but do I carry that with me? I know that I do. I've admitted to myself that I know that I do because of my upbringing, because of what I've watched in movies and seen on TV and the news and all that stuff. What I've learned in my in my career is that I've had to accept that I think like that sometimes. And it's how you act on those thoughts and trying to fight through those those implicit biases when you look at people. And it's made me a better police officer because now when I approach people, individuals, I try to understand where they're coming from a little better than what I did before. It's easy to marginalize if you've never had that experience. And I think we're more likely, as human beings, we're more likely to marginalize people that we don't know, don't understand, or don't relate to. If you've never been homeless, you don't relate to that. But it's it's not just the homelessness, I think. I think any type of economic deprivation, if you haven't experienced it, it's easy to tag another person. Well, why don't they get a job, or why don't they go to school, or whatever they, the why don't is. I think our society is made up of, 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 made up of people that don't share a lot of experiences. If we're not exposed to certain things, we sort of build a fence, create a fear or phobia, whatever, whatever it happens to be. I have to take the initiative to become exposed to whatever predetermined ideas I have. And if I don't have that exposure, it's easy to conclude that this person doesn't fit my menu of expectations. Okay. So we're all in that same boat. We all need to take the initiative, right? And get to know people that are different than us and know their experience. So what investment does God expect from us? <clears throat> what investment does God expect from us? I can tell you this. I don't know the specifics. I just know this. I can almost guarantee you it's to get out of your comfort zone. And we don't like that, do we? We like our little comfort zones. Get out of our comfort zone. Go to people that are different than us. Rub shoulders with them. Get involved in their lives. It boils down to this. Is that individual worthy of your time and energy? Is that person someone God determined is worthy for Jesus to die for? I'll give you three words. One, love, obviously. (laughs) Jesus told us that, right? I use the definition of love, what is best for the other person. So I'm loving my wife when I do what's best for her, not what's best for me. Second is sacrifice. We should understand, if you're Jesus follower, you should understand this, right? For God so loved the world, he did what? Sent his only son to earth to do what? To suffer and die. Sacrifice. Sacrifice was, love required sacrifice from Jesus. And love's going to require sacrifice from you and I. And again, it's not something we like to do. 
And then just service. Just serve, folks. What can I do to help? Word of encouragement, financial help, physical help. Just befriend them. Someone was telling me a story between services about met somebody and this man just opened up to him this week and told him how lonely he was. People are lonely. We talked about that. Crisis of loneliness in our culture. So then Jesus really nails it. With, <laughs> told his story and he asked this question to this guy. And he's going to nail us with it too. Which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. Now I appreciate the man at least respi- replying honestly. He couldn't say Samaritan because he despised Samaritan. Couldn't even say the word. So he said the one who showed him mercy. And what did Jesus say to him? Yes, you're right. You got it. You understand. Now go. You understand. But now go and do the same. Something that bothers me personally, and hopefully it bothers you too, is I've experienced God's unconditional love, His grace, His mercy, His forgiveness. That should be in my heart. And that should be what spills out, overflows from my heart. And it doesn't always. That's an issue I have. So let me finish up with this. Being a good neighbor will cost you something. Time, money, energy, whatever. Maybe all those. But not as much as doing nothing. We don't fix our neighborhoods by doing nothing. And the thing that really bothers me about this, it's going to cost me my relationship with God. What do you think God thinks about? Hey, I, even Jesus told this story. I've been so gracious to you, and you won't be gracious to other people? And literally, Jesus is our good Samaritan, isn't he? When we were wounded and dying in our sin, Jesus came, bandaged our wounds, offered us forgiveness, paid the debt our sins caused, and even says he's going to return one day, right? So we gave you daily readings last week. I hope you spent a little time each day just reading, reading the story or passage and letting God speak to you through it. So here's this week's readings, and they're pretty short. If you miss a day, go back and catch up, hopefully, or whatever. Um, Some of what we just read today and some extra stuff. And here's a challenge. We're one week in. Take the next four weeks. Actually, take the next rest of your life, but uh, we're categorizing this in this time frame. Uh, The challenge is take the next four weeks now. Commit to the active, active neighboring. Caring about and being a good neighbor to the four closest homes to you and the four people who are near to your work or school. So you've got those two neighborhoods. Here's what you're going to do. Get to know them. Spend some time listening. Serve them. What can I do to help? And just be a friend to those whom God, Jesus, has called you to love. These are the people that God's put in your circle of life for you to rub shoulders with. That's my challenge for you. Hopefully, you will take this seriously and follow God's leading. Let's pray and we'll have a song let you go. Father God, uh, uh, I've heard this story so many times and yet it still disturbs me. 
because I'm unfortunately sometimes like the priest and I walk by needs that you place in front of me. God forgive me. Forgive us. Let's make a decision today to not only help when we see needs but actually seek out needs. Do the active art of neighboring. And God, yeah, our, our flesh, we're sinful and selfish and we don't want to do this. But if we've experienced your love and grace and mercy, it should outflow us. We can't not help, as Paul said. Love compels us. So God, let us do the spiritual work so we get to the place where love compels us and then actually go and do it. And God, we want to pray for anyone that's not a Jesus follower, that they would come to understand and accept the fact that that Jesus is their good Samaritan here this morning. And he can take care of their spiritual issues, uh, their relationship with God, give them purpose and meaning in life. You'll never be alone again. You'll have a family, God's family, to uh, literally hang out with. It's a gift, free gift. comes with responsibility, but it's a free gift. Jesus paid the price. He exchanged his death for your salvation. God, whatever you're saying to each of us, we pray that we are serious this morning. Not only we're touched in mind, but also in heart. Change us. In Jesus' name, amen.